Hello, hello again, everybody, and welcome back to... Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics! Ow, I hit myself in the neck to do that. That was a bad <laughs> idea. And, yes, that is with us today, and yes, this is the second time in a row we're on what got this thing down. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay, so we're going to start off with a little bit of news. Um, well, in further news from last week's podcast... MoviePass has managed to finally achieve an iteration of themselves that is, in fact, not worth the price of MoviePass. I mean, yeah, that was all. That was always where they were headed. Right, I, I but mean... up until this point, everything they had done was still worth it. Everything <laughs> they had done, they were still the best deal in the business. Yeah, and I now mean, they've managed to go, well, what if we decide what movies you see and it changes from day to day and you only have three options to begin with? Maybe. Well, it's like they, it's the, it's like they skipped several years down the line in regard <laughs> to how uh, these kinds of services usually work. Because, right. you know, like you, you get into Facebook or some other social media thing and then a couple of years later they start like changing how it works and changing what your timeline shows and blah 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 and you're already in it's too late but like movie pass is too new to be able to get away with this kind of insanity well okay as we discussed a little bit in last week's is the C- one of the ceos of movie pass used to be a ceo of netflix back in the early days yeah and we really didn't get into this but netflix itself when it first started sounded like something an insane person would come up you're going yeah, to i mean i'm all You're going to mail stuff. me a DVD, and then I'm going to mail it back to you? Oh, shit, oh, yeah. buddy, that's going to happen. Like, uh, God, God, yeah. The, the, like, yeah, even I forget what Netflix used to be like, because I, I never had prehistoric Netflix. I relied on you guys for that. Um, I would just watch, I would just watch you just whatever you... Yeah, I would just, I would just come over. Like, that's, yeah, that's, that's what our friendship is based on, is whatever movies Jeremiah felt like watching uh, and uh, as I hung around and enjoyed his uh, access to films. Well, and this is the thing. People also forget Netflix was so popular that even the porn industry began to take on the Netflix model in terms of. Oh yeah, there, there were there were a couple of like the the porn one is I think the funniest one, but there was also like I think GameFly. I recall there yes. was there were a couple of like attempts to to video game uh, version this that never really landed. Uh, mostly. Mostly, I think, because, like, Steam and digital downloads to consoles made it to where the, the physical, like, disc trading thing was never really as reasonable. Although, I think you can... Do you, you, you could get games at Redboxes, right? Or was that... I don't and, know. Um, that I don't know. I think they have a game version of that. I don't really do Redbox, because most yeah. of the stuff on Redbox is stuff that... That's what the sci-fi channel's for. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, people who have cable. <laughs> By the way, just just a quick side side note that that way of thinking is why they're rebooting everything for basic cable. Yeah, <laughs> it's because the people who watch television no longer watch television, and the ones who still do that was stuff that was on when they were watching television. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Although, God, I uh, I don't. I don't want to become an excited, like, terrible fanboy, but I do have to derail for just a second to be like, so they're talking about making another RoboCop movie. Okay. And it, Neil Blomkamp is talking about making another Ro- RoboCop movie that is a okay. sequel to the original RoboCop, and he wants to get Peter Weller to be RoboCop again. Does Peter Weller want to be RoboCop again? That's the question. I haven't. I've I've avoided finding the answer to that question because there there. I feel like I'm being built up for a, a massive <laughs> crash. It's like when Blanc. Well, I think wasn't it also Blancamp who was like a couple of years back was putting like crazy neat looking concept art for a new Alien movie out, yeah. but then instead they made Prometheus. Yeah, no, no, it was after Prometheus. Oh, that was it. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was before the uh, <laughs> the one with Michael Fassbender hitting on himself. Uh, Covenant. Yeah, and then also bad things happened in the movie too. Um, <laughs> Understand that that should have been a fascinating moment, and instead I was like, "This is boring." How I do could you make Michael look, Fassbender flirting with himself. Boring. <laughs> this should be. Look, Jer- Jeremiah. I, I don't know if you like. There have been just hours of non-repeated conversation in my home <laughs> where we just talk about how great. Prometheus and Alien Covenant should have been. (laughs) 
Well, this is also the thing, and I'm going to say something that might be kind of a treasonous or heretic. Ridley Excellent. Scott it may not be the best director in the world. <laughs> I, You know what? He tricked me for a minute, though, because The Martian like made it look like he could still make movies. <laughs> he knows how to make movies. The problem with Ridley Scott is when he's on, he's on. But when he's yeah. off... When he's off, he is all the way off. He is a <laughs> he is no, master class at being off. <laughs> It's like there are some directors, kind of like John Carpenter, when like when he's not on it, sitting through a bad John Carpenter film is death. Oh, it so is. <laughs> it's like, but if he's got all the juices flowing, it's amazing. I, I mean, don't I don't know. know I still love a bad John Carpenter film, but at the same time, if you walk out of it, it's like I saw a bad John Carpenter film. I'm like, I hear you, brother. Have a like, seat. That's the You're thing, probably though, really is, tired. John Carpenter's a little special in that regard because it is possible to make a merely okay John Carpenter movie. Because it John really Carpenter's is. Vampires is a solid C plus movie. <laughs> that's one of the few of his I haven't seen. It is okay. I've seen <laughs> the one that has the greatest idea ever, but so falls so short of that, Prince of Darkness. Oh god. No, that's the one I haven't seen, because I've seen the rest of the Apocalypse trilogy, uh, as it is I guess called by nerds, but never called like officially. But <laughs> I, I saw that movie because of two things. One, I heard Eva talk about it. And I was like, that sounds like a fascinating idea. Two, it had Jameson Parker, and understand that I grew up watching Simon and Simon, mm. and he was part of Simon. Uh, he was the brother who wasn't Gerald McGraney, who went on to be Major Dad. Yeah. I mean, I, I know enough about Prince of Darkness that it sounds amazing, and I never want to see it. Because, as I understand it, it is about uh, a giant canister full of the devil, which is a green liquid anti-god. The concept of it (laughs) is the fact that these priests discover basically what you said in the basement. But the only way to open it or keep it closed, because there's a timer on it, is through solving this incredibly difficult mathematical the scientific equation. Oh, so you have to solve for God. Exactly. So, essentially, (laughs) the scientists who don't believe are having to face the lack of faith and the the men of faith who have denied science are having to embrace science to save humanity. That's that's excellent. I'm sorry, it reminds me. The idea is really good. Uh, part, Part of the reason I was not on the uh, part of the reason why I've been gone for so long uh, is I went to, to Gen Con, the big tabletop gaming convention, and uh, one of the uh, games I'm really into is Delta Green, which is a modern day Call of Cthulhu like conspiracy horror game. And one of the things I was reading in one of the books involved studying math and going crazy to the point that you like transcend reality. <laughs> and so well, that was that's, a huge that's what I'm thinking. Of. Uh, because I remember one of the few Lovecraft movies stories that I read mm. that kept me awake, that I had to fall asleep with the light on when I was in my 20s with Brown Ben, I think was called. Uh, and it's basically about a guy who goes mad so hard that he goes crazy and opens up a door to another dimension with a guy, with a rat with a guy's head. Oh, uh, no, I know the story you mean. I think that might be Dreams in the Witch House, but the name of the familiar is... Yeah, it's, it's like a, a little rat with, like, a human face. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I remember that, yes. Something that could uh, absolutely not work in a movie, but terrifies you just thinking of. Oh, yeah. Uh, my favorite Lovecraft... Actually, my favorite Lovecraft story has been adapted into a movie, uh, it, I, I want to say in Sweden, I'm not sure. Uh, the okay. story is The Color Out of Space, uh, and it was adapted into a movie called just The Color or Color, I think. Anyway, Movie Pass, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, actually, no, because that was all I had to say. Movie passes, so I moved on to the air in which I no longer support Movie Pass. Yeah, so, so, and now we've moved on to the era where someone will mention Movie Pass in two years and we'll be like, oh, yeah. Well, Movie Pass is important because, as we discussed, we have right now Black Klansmen, Solid Bobby, mm. and Crazy Rich Asians, and most people can't see all three. Like the closest, I think that the the closest. Um, sorry to bother you. Got to here was like an hour drive away at at best. Right. Um, and like a lot of times, if I want to see movies, I I would have to like drive or take a train up to Chicago, which is you know like two hours. So, yeah, <laughs> not right. ideal. 
And as as much as we have the other subscription services going, as of right now, they're all pretty much they're all good deals. Not as mm. good as Movie Pass was. It's just a matter of how long will they stay good deals now that Movie Pass is clearly heading to the the last leg of the. Race. Yeah, fig- figuring out like who's gonna pick up that torch or or how well, or, or not exactly. Not they exactly that. Need to continue to being as good as they are if they will just raise prices. Yeah, well, I don't even mean like Movie Pass itself, but like, cause my, I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm bleak, but I feel like Movie Pass is basically over. Like they, they couldn't maintain momentum long enough to, to, like having to make this kind of choice at this point in their trajectory, I don't think speaks very much about their <laughs> staying power. No. Um, and other news. Um, that's really it. There's a lot of stuff going on, but all. all <laughs> Almost all of it has to do with the fact that Marvel is being Marvel, and uh, people all—I'm—I'm I'm really shocked that people are sh- sort of stunned that Marvel doesn't love them back. Yeah, <laughs> I like, I, I'm a- <laughs> honestly I'm not that stunned because I I their comic book people are my people though I I have sort of shed that earlier version of myself. I still remember being him, mm-hmm. and, and I get the kind of like tying that brand to your identity so hard that it becomes a weird abusive relationship that like <laughs> oh no they, they definitely have my best interests at heart no no I'm sorry I wish they did but they make good stories by accident sometimes but primarily just want you to keep paying them money like that's by the, the way that's you the just described the, the entire cinematic landscape right that's I mean that is the that is the cold hard reality but <laughs> With with brands that people have that like parasocial bond with, be it Marvel or Disney or Star Wars, but I repeat myself, um, <laughs> or or the fact that that people will still defend the DC Cinematic Universe, and that's not you know that's not on the strength of the movies. It's on the strength of the the idea of what getting a big fancy Superman or Batman or Justice League or Wonder Woman movie well Wonder Woman is actually good what right. those movies mean uh, also tangent speaking of DC movies I I had I thought I had imagined this and uh, the so like Aquaman's coming out right with Jason Momoa yeah just um, and. Jason Momoa was the star of that Conan movie that nobody saw. Yes. So he's just getting to be Conan again, but underwater. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't know that it's just funny. That's all I got on that. It just occurred to me. <laughs> uh, well, because I, because I, 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 I mentioned it to to my known associate, and uh, and she disbelieved me at first. I was like, was Jason Why Momoa would you was make Conan? This up? Jason Momoa was Conan like several years ago, right? And she was like, "No." Yeah. And 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 she she like batted it away so hard that I I did I believed it. It was like, <laughs> "Yeah, that that does, that seems like I would be more certain of that if it were true." But no, yeah, Jason Momoa was in a Conan movie that no one watched, and uh, now he's going to be Conan again, but underwater. And that's how they want to make Aquaman cool. To be fair, the movies didn't invent that idea; the comics did, and they're just doing it now, and it's. I don't even know what to... It's going to be something. <laughs> I remember reading a director, I forget who it was, and I understand that I love movies and I consider them to be a great art form, but he's a, I do agree with this particular director. It's like, look, movies are the worst form of storytelling. You have to really want this to get, in, to get into this <laughs> business. <laughs> like, the amount of things you have to navigate, no uh, other art form has this. Uh, I mean, yeah... Yeah, I, I would I would argue that uh, I, I would maybe make an argument that video games uh, can come close to the hellscape, but it's still a very different hellscape yeah. that has to be navigated. Um, and and quite frankly, I I've had to temper my hopes of video games being a more consistently like uh, artistically interesting media, at least at their upper uh, like triple a echelons although there's a lot of great little uh indie stuff because you know support your your local indie game development (laughs) trash (laughs) um we brought up a lot of uh earlier we talked about conan as a remake robocop as a remake as of right Mm. now there are seven robin hood movies 
<laughs> being made in Hollywood. <laughs> now, we should be grateful because back in May there were ten. <laughs> so we somehow we lost three. Maybe they merged. Who knows? That happened a lot. <laughs> oh, I like that idea. Just stitch the scripts together. It'll be fine. Oh, that happens um, so much. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, I mean, just, uh, it's, just go see it's the even... um, Christopher Robin movie. You'll see us stitch together the script. I mean, it's not even that. Like, this is I, I, the most egregious one we've seen for a while. But, like, hell, the Sherlock Holmes boom of a couple of years ago was pretty ridiculous <laughs> on its face, too. It's just that, like, 90% of... Actually, basically all of those turned out to be pretty good in some way. Yeah. Uh, like, the, the, the Robert Downey Jr. ones were, like, interesting and frenetic and, and had, like, a... a I don't know. They, they they just had a very, like, interesting charm to them, and Guy Ritchie right. knows yeah, how to be a Guy ridiculous Ritchie asshole. Charm to them. Yeah, yeah, that, that like, Guy Ritchie charm of being a ridiculous asshole. Right. Um, and, uh, and, like, the uh, elementary, like, cut out a really solid niche in being, like, all of the other Sherlock Holmes are focusing on, like, big personalities and grand drama. What if we make, like, a one about this quirky detective who solves mysteries and has problems? Well, not only that, but outside of all of them, with the exception of maybe Guy Ritchie Sherlock, it mm. understood what Sherlock Holmes stories were, actually, and that was just, like, these were just murder mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> these, were, like, <laughs> these weren't, like, any sort of great philosophical things. It was, like, these were things that appeared in the local, like, magazine. Yeah. Like not, was... not like you know, famed magazines or literary magazines. Yeah, no, they, were, they Yeah, it was. It was. It was the 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 entertainment of the people. It would right. today be equivalent to like watching the latest like well, maybe not even Netflix show, like watching a, a YouTube series or yeah. something. Like it's. Uh, I mean, it was it was hugely popular, but so was a bunch of sh- stuff on YouTube that I don't so watch it's a big or bank care day, about. And everyone yeah. I know hates that show. <laughs> oh, I can't listen to canned laughter anymore. It literally causes me pain. Well, I have uh, no problem with that because I grew up on shows from the sixties and seventies. But but I mean, I didn't. Yeah, I grew I grew up on like Nick like Dick Van Dyke show was my right. jam. But I can't any, like I can't be beyond a certain point. If it's in black and white and it has canned laughter, it doesn't bother me. But the more we get to the modern day, it irks me, and I, I'm not 100% sure I know why. Well, like, this is the thing, because I bring up the Big Bang Theory because everyone I know hates it, but everyone I know who hates it hasn't seen an episode. I'm like, so where's the hatred coming from? You just don't like the idea of the, the Big Bang Theory? God, that, that's its own discussion, and, you know, we're, we're, we're primarily movie-focused in this right. podcast, unless I derail us or you do. Um. We're going back, but, like, no, um, it is a weird thing of, and I guess because there's so much like a nice sort of eat the rich attitude that's sort of bubbling yeah. in American popular culture, they're like, "Well, what's the biggest eat the rich story we can tell?" Well, I have mm. a few new ones, or we can do Robin Hood. No one's told a Robin Hood story in uh, a week. <laughs> I I I actually I heard someone describe uh, Ridley Scott's Robin Hood movie, and I couldn't believe it okay. because like it was. As as I understand it, it was basically just like, what if we had Russell Crowe act like he was in Gladiator still, and then have him not like be robbing anyone or be someone in a forest until like the end of? It's basically like a Robin Hood origin movie that didn't lead to anything. Which is odd because Robin Hood, uh, the way the story or the myth is structured, is so you don't need an origin story. Yeah, yeah, no, that's. I, and I, you would think that as uh, the fact that we that like everyone who has been watching superhero movies for like the last decade has been screaming this intermittently just out their windows into the ether, but nobody actually wants origin movies. Uh, they they just want to see movies. Like, I, I'm convinced that the only reason we have origin movies is so producers can make more movies. Probably. Uh, but it, I, I, it's it's fascinating to me because it's in a lot of ways it's just incredibly self defeating because people uh, I get the feeling and I could be wrong but I almost never am uh, <laughs> I get the feeling from just l- listening to like Twitter and other just social media things that that any time an origin story movie for something comes out there is there is an outcry of just like why can't we just skip it. <laughs> and I feel like uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming did an excellent job of that. 
uh, although it got its little boost from from Civil War, uh, of course. But uh, but so so the idea is they want to use like these movies to use origin story movies to like start a, a franchise, but then the fact that it's just another origin story movie in the crowd kills it. Right. Well, okay. You have Spider-Man Homecoming and you have Wonder Woman. Yeah. And these were both things. Wonder Woman isn't structured like a normal superhero movie. And neither is Spider-Man Homecoming to really any degree. And they both are like, you know what? They set up Wonder Woman and Spider-Man in another movie, but they don't require you to see those movies. Thank God, because if you had to watch Batman v Superman (laughs) to get Wonder Woman, I would tell you right now, as much as I love Wonder Woman, it's almost not worth it. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I actually would kind of counter argue that I don't think uh, Batman vs Superman sets up Wonder Woman at all. They just it have doesn't. her appear, right? Yeah, because like even like the the connection between Civil War and Spider Man Homecoming within their narrative is so strong that they had to at least reference like that, and they did it in a really fun, amusing way with Peter's right. little vlog thing. But like. You don't need Batman. You literally, you're right. You literally don't need Batman versus Superman <laughs> to to enjoy Wonder Woman or understand it. And like, it's completely non required. In fact, it's better if you don't. <laughs> it's, it's better for everyone all around, even the people involved with Batman v Superman. Uh. Um, but yeah, I Robin Hood movies are one of those movies that have been remade. Since the dawn of from like almost in silent movies, you have the Ventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn. Oh, yeah. And then I know there's a Rat Pack movie, uh, Robin in the Seven Hoods, where it's not oh, really God. about Robin Hood, but about a bunch of gangsters going straight. <laughs> with Bing Crosby as the father fire tuck role, as literally the oh, no. Bing Crosby role if he's in charge of an orphanage of little boys. Oh, oh dear Lord. Oh. <laughs> I've seen this movie. I, I kind of enjoy it because it's the rat pack. Yeah, I mean, there's an insane charm to the even the dumbest of their movies. Do you realize who plays the heel in that movie? Who? Peter Falk. Ah! He plays okay, I love it now. a detective. Uh, look, Peter Peter Falk will never have a better villain role than as Max in uh, the the. What's the race movie? Um, the race. It's like movie? the amazing, the amazing race, or something like that. Um, I can't remember now. The one with like the ridiculous cars and they're like oh. driving across. What? I can't remember the name of it. It's. Are you talking about um, dri- the Magnificent Men and the Flying Machines? I don't think that's what I'm talking about. It's um, the same universe. It's the same people with Jack Lemmon. Oh, is it? Okay. Yes. Yes. Then that. Yeah. Probably. They made a series of those movies. Okay, I cannot remember the title of the, the Great Race. That's the one I was thinking okay. of uh, because he plays Maximilian Mean, right. who is the, uh, the sidekick of uh, Jack Lemmon's villain character. It's either that was an influence on Hanna Barbera, or Hanna Barbera was an influence on though. Or oh, I, I, it's it's a hundred percent the the Great Race was an influence on Hanna Barbera. Like <laughs> I, I'm pretty damn sure. <laughs> Almost anyway, positive. yes, it's a fact. Yeah, I am almost positive that is 100% true. Uh, That's the type of guarantee you give at this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Look, I, I, uh, I'm very entertaining. I've never claimed to be accurate in anything, Let's except see, uh, for all the ways that I'm always right. Uh, there was an anyway. old 60s animated movie called Robin and the Seven Hoodniks, which I've uh, always loved the title of. Yeah. And it was essentially, it was one of those kind of like the Disney Robin Hood movie where they were all uh, talking animals. Yeah. Only the things were like the Robin and the Seven Hoodnecks were like they were literally just robbing people. Like they eventually started robbing the poor, but like they were just they were hoods. Wow. Uh, and they talked you know, to thinking... like the 1940s gangster like Edward G. Robinson. Yeah. Sorry, I was just I uh, I was thinking back to to like the only good Robin Hood movie that has come out in my lifetime, which is of course Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, no, wait, I guess also uh, Men in Tights. I don't say, how dare you mispronounce um, Men in Tights? I, look, I, I will fight for Prince of Thieves. It, it is, I, it was weirdly compelling when I was, you know, uh, a child, when I was like six. 
Um. Well, see, the problem with Vincent Seed is you have to convince people that there was a time when we really did like Kevin Costner. We we did, though. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I was there. It's, it's one of the reasons why I was willing to fall for him as Pa Kent until I eventually woke up <laughs> out of that particular... Like, okay, no, I still like him as Pa Kent. It's just everything he says is terrible. Yeah. Um, Not his fault. But he's... But he has an he has an incredible presence in that role for the reason that he reminds me of my dad. Um, <laughs> but no, like the the thing that cracks me up about Prince of Thieves is that it reminds me of because it was a PG thirteen movie, but there's stuff in that movie that like <laughs> is legitimately nightmare inducing. <laughs> like the weird witch that was the oh. the sheriff of Nottingham's like foster parent or whatever. Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot all about that. Yeah. Uh, it's but but also like it's a pg-13 movie that had a nightmare inducing witch character but also sold action figures to children like it was it was sort of one of the last bastions i remember of that like it, it wasn't nearly as as insane as like aliens or robocop being marketed to to literal <laughs> children but it was still like really <laughs> well like here's the thing i mean robocop was one of the first later on movies i ever saw that's a good. That's a good starting point. It's all downhill yeah. from there. Uh, and but it never struck me until years, years, like much, 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 like maybe five years ago. How weird <laughs> How it was that, movie is? that I had RoboCop toys. Yeah, it's it is legitimately insane. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like there is something like the of the seven Robin Hood movies. There is one that is taking an interesting, I guess, turn, or mm. slant on it, starring Margot Robbie, and it's called Marion. Oh, yeah, yeah, I heard about this one. Now, whether or not it is actually from a perspective, it may, the script may be that way, but also remember the Ridley Scott Robin Hood movie was, was also supposed to be the Robin Hood story told from Prince John, the Sheriff of Nottingham's point of view. Wow. So just because it's, we're told it's going to be like this, I'll wait till the yeah. movie comes out. Till we can also we can also be lied to. Because <laughs> apparently that's what Hollywood does. Yeah, I mean, basically that's that, that's their literal trade. They make up lies and sell them to us. It's just sometimes they also use lies to sell us their lies. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of untruth and a lot of what we do consume. This is also why I love when people go, that's not true. I was like, well, I got news for you, buddy. <laughs> Man, if we're going to just start checkmarking all the things that aren't true, we're going to be here a while. Well, this is the thing, right? Like, Robin Hood is a myth. Yeah. It's a folk legend. And yet, we have yet to really figure out how to do this, like, to modernize it. Because outside of the Marion idea, it's all hmm. just a bunch of white, straight white dudes. Yeah. And there's one coming out with, like... Uh, Kevin with uh, Jamie Fox mm. as Little John. I'm like, well, why couldn't he be Robin Hood? I'd be much interested in see, much yeah. more interested to see that Robin Hood than Taron Edgerton, who is good, but not someone I'm like, ooh, I can't wait to see him don the tights and bow and arrow. What? I definitely want there to be tights. Like if if it is if he's not wearing tights, I don't even know what. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> Uh, also, I definitely know that I know who Edgerton is, but I cannot put a face to that name. <laughs> and I was like, I want you to know the only thing that comes to mind with him in it, which I know is not the thing he's known from, is Sing, that animated animal movie. Oh, the, the yeah, the animal singing. He movie. was the gorilla. Oh. Huh. Right. No, no, Kingsman. He's from Kingsman. Oh, okay. That yeah. I've uh, so I've never actually seen either of those movies. All right, well, he's alright. Yeah, I mean, I've heard they're okay. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Sings alright. I've seen Kingsman two, and that was horrible. Don't bother. Oh, was it? Okay. Well, then, good. I don't feel bad. But <laughs> it's funny, like doing the research for the Hades Code. I ah, discovered yeah. that um, there was a genre of movies that came out, and this ties into the Robin Hood thing. What we're talking about in terms of like. Hmm. How Hollywood is just nothing but lies. <laughs> P.T. Barnum produced a movie. Oh, there's a, na- there's a name that is only ever attached to good things. <laughs> <laughs> he 
he produced. He, when I say produced, I mean like he gave them money. He wasn't really involved with it. Not not the way that we think of producers right. uh, now. He gave the, these filmmakers money, and there was a subgenre of movies called the expedition, or the expeditionary film. It's mm. where we got Nanook of the North and stuff like that. Sure. And these were basically docudramas. And it's only, you know... And Nanuku of the North is famous for being, like, this great documentary about Eskimos. That mm. people only later learned that they filmed a lot of it in... Bev- and not so much in Beverly Hills, but easily Culver City. <laughs> and so this is a film who... I don't know how it's pronounced. I think it might have been I- Ayagi. I-double-G-A-I. And it was a movie... <laughs> a docudrama based on the... The supposed... How can I put this? There was a tribe in Africa that was supposedly when the women were infertile, they were then sacrificed to the apes of the jungle as mates. Mm-hmm. And they made this movie, and they implied bestiality. Of course they did. Now, of course, because this is back in the... Uh, th- this is this is a pre-code, so... 1932, I believe. 1931, ah. 32. And this movie was a hit. Oh, God. People loved it. And it, <laughs> it's one of the things where eventually the production code was like, okay, this is kind of horrible. Bestiality? Never mind the absolute disgusting racism involved. What horrified them was the bestiality element. Yeah, that sounds like what they would find. So they hire a private investigator, and they find the guy who played the ape. I want you to understand, yes, they found the guy who played the ape. Because there were some people who didn't believe it was the guy in a suit. (laughs) And he was like, "Um, yeah, no, yeah, Uh, I played the ape in that movie. (laughs) The Uh. producers and the director were like, what, yeah, yeah, we made it up. It's what we do. <laughs> like, there was a lawsuit, but then, like, everyone had, like, Hollywood had trouble really defending itself because, like, they had, like, nine other documentaries or docudramas that had did just as badly. <laughs> or, like, they were just like, yeah, no, like, it's just not nothing new. We've been doing this for, like, at least a good two or three years. Yeah, the, the, the idea of, the of a we... documentary that has some kind of journalistic integrity to it is a pretty modern phenomenon. <laughs> it reminded me of the SNL sketch with The Rock, in which they're at the uh, evil scientist convention. <laughs> and they're trading sort of like evil, like all these evil like gadgets. And then The Rock comes forth with a gadget that is truly horrifying. And all the other mad scientists are horrified by it. It's like, what? It's evil. That's oh. what we do, right? <laughs> And he's like, Mussolini killed, like, fed people castor oil and have them literally die of diarrhea. That's got to be a goalpost, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically what this guy was like, dude, what? The, oh, wow. We fake documentaries about how other cultures lived up with Eskimos, and all of a sudden, now we throw a hissy fit because I implied a woman fucked a gorilla. It's a guy in a suit. Yeah, so... I mean, this also ties back to uh, talking about Lovecraft earlier, because there's definitely <laughs> some stories about uh, interbreeding with apes, and uh, yeah. So that's good. It's nice to nice that we have a thematic through line this episode, and that it is ape-based bestiality. Uh. <laughs> well, I can also bring up, uh, I think it was Murders of the Rue Morgue with Bella Lugosi. Well, uh... <laughs> Well, you know, Poe, uh, based on Poe stories, those are always Yeah, and this one took a very, very loose reading of it. Was that. it a Hammer film? Is that what it was? They basically, it was like, um, the murders of the Rumorg was an ape, but that was because there was a mad scientist who had genetically uh, engineered a genetically pure ape, and he needed a genetically pure female to breed with. What? What? This is pre- <laughs> They took the title, essentially. This is also code And I know all you people are like, well, what's going on? And what I'm trying to say is... It was uh, the Wild West out there. This is the Wild pre-code. West. Uh. But I, I, this is a tangent we got off on, and I really apologize that we've gotten here. Uh, no, I think this is, this is actually pretty valuable in some <laughs> ways. Because it's important to remember... Uh, well, j- just like, uh, you know, we're talking about movie passes. Uh, just 
r- rolling downhill into explosive failure. Uh, but like when movies first started to be a thing, it was as insane as the internet is <laughs> in its early days. Like the kind of shit that people get up to is not new. <laughs> we just see it faster and have way more access to behind the scenes. Right. Well, not only that, but like there is a sort of corollary uh, because Dan brought this up that it, this way Hollywood is sort of evolving is sort of evolving into a new version of the old Hollywood studio system. Yeah, I mean, many especially people in Marvel how- are under contract and they have to f- have written into the contract or have to be loaned out by Marvel to do other movies. Yeah, they're they're they now have a literal stable of actors. <laughs> yes, but it's like the notion of. We've talked about this in the adaptation episode. In terms of, like, mm. you can just buy a story, the rights to a story, and then, like, do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. So, such as the that Murders at the Room Org that you were just talking about. Uh, that's not actually called Murders at the Room Org. It's called something else. I forget what that is. Or may actually be called that. Even, I forget. Even it's better. It's one of the things where the titles, back then, titles change. Because they, right. the censor board changed from state to state. It's a long story. Oh, God. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> But, now, with all that being said, um, this goes back to what we're talking about. Um, Seven Robin Hood movies is also as equally as insane because to get one original movie made is almost impossible. But we got at least money for seven uh, Robin Hood movies. One made million movie. And for, as we can tell, all going to be the same. Yeah. And probably all be more, if we're lucky, maybe five of them will go to Netflix. Like, this is going to be, I, as, like, it's weird, but I'm also really excited to see how weird and terrible this experience is going to be. It's not going to be weird, it's just going to be boring. I'm going to tell you that right now. Weird no, 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 I, I don't, I don't mean it'll be interestingly weird, but we haven't seen this level of oversaturated confluence of literally the same thing. Like, we, you can make a comparable argument to, like, the oversaturation of superhero movies generally, Right. But this is literally all the same thing. Well, okay, here's the thing. There's no t- there's no guarantee that they are coming out that's... at the same time. Okay, so, yeah, that's fair. Because also understand when The Jungle came out, Andy Circus uh, was making his. Yeah. And his got sold to Netflix because they were afraid it was going to bomb. Mm. So it's not even coming out to theaters. So, God. and it's also, just because, also, there's something else. Because the movie's made, no guarantee it's going to be released. That's true. I don't know. I kind of like the idea of all seven of them making it to theaters <laughs> and people just getting increasingly confused and agitated. Like, that the biggest F-up of communication ever and they all come out on the same weekend? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you at, at the very least, we've seen, like, we've seen small versions of, the, of this throughout our lives. Remember the various disaster movie confluences when we were but right. young lads? Uh, well, yeah, well, I probably was going to say the most infamous one for most people would be Ants and a Bug's Life. Yeah, Ants in a Bug's Life. There was vol- like the volcano and Dante's Peak, or Deep Impact and uh, Armageddon, and right. just uh, for a while. Yeah. you had the 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 B movie one, one and the one that was sort of the high art version of that. <laughs> uh, wait, which one was the B movie out of Don- or out of uh, Deep Impact and Armageddon? Uh, I was I would say Armageddon yeah, because Deep Impact was Spielberg. It was? I believe he, at the very least, produced it. Oh, man. Yeah, and I think that might have been, like, one of the first movies DreamWorks did. Movies are weird. (laughs) Yeah, I don't... Not directed, I don't believe, but at the same time... No, no, it definitely wasn't directed by But it's one of the things where, if you watch Deep Impact... There was a much different vibe in Deep Impact than there is in Armageddon. Like Deep, oh, well, Deep yeah. Impact wants you to be taken wants to be taken seriously. Armageddon, for all his faults, Arma- isn't even trying. Arma- <laughs> Armageddon is like an hour and a half long music video of itself, uh, which had a music video that is almost as infamous as the movie. Yeah, I don't want to miss a thing. That is that is true. Um, God, what the hell. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having I'm having like flashbacks to the nineties. No, that's actually you gotta be careful with that. What a bizarre time to be alive. Um Well, remember when they started doing all the uh, Shakespeare adaptations? Yeah, yeah, that was weird too. <laughs> Cause you had the Boz Lerman. Yeah. You had which was the uh, Ten Things fun. I Hate About You. 
Yeah. You had uh, oh. You can actually yeah. you can actually go through a super weird trajectory of ad- adaptations of Taming of the Shrew because there's a John Wayne western that is an adaptation of Taming of the Shrew. That's the Quiet Man. Uh, McClintock. Oh, that's McClintock. Okay. Yep. No, the Quiet Man is the one with the awesome punch fight, though. Uh, is that the? Uh, there's also, a, if I remember correctly, a Billy Wilder. No, that's not Billy Wilder. There's a musical. Of Taming of the Shrew with Dean Martin, Kiss Me, Kate. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you could you could have a real weird weekend just watching different. Uh, but but like all those are at least adaptations in a in a ver- in a real broad sense. Like, oh yeah, because they're di- different genres and periods of which they're telling the story. Yeah, like you can so you know you you watch McClintock and you watch Ten Things I Hate About You and you're. Like you'll see similarities, but you're they're very different. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah, to the, to the best of our knowledge, the Robin Hood movies, none of them are taking place in the year 2049. which is a shame uh, right. because I, I want like that's the one I would be in for because <laughs> I am cyberpunk fanboy trash. Well, I almost said twenty forty five, but I wasn't. I didn't know if man would still be alive. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah we're, we're, who knows? Um, <laughs> but, no, like, this notion that Hollywood remakes things over and over, like, the Robin Hood thing, I only bring up because seven, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but Hollywood has been remaking, like, all this stuff, like, continually for a very oh, yeah. long time. Well, I mean, hell, Disney's brand is built on uh, public domain things. Right. So there's there are plenty of Alice Alice in Wonderlands Alice's in Wonderland is it like well, Surgeon's Alice's General? Restaurant? Uh, there, there, yeah, there there are plenty of different versions of Alice in Wonderland or of Snow White or of I mean hell it, you know uh, King Arthur's another good uh, public domain story that people love to remake and Disney right. has their one of that as well. like it's and they have their Robin Hood with the animals that made furries happen. Which, uh, uh, which is so a movie that I absolutely patient. adored as a child. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I have, the Disney's Robin Hood is is uh, charming and wonderful and perfect. It's absolutely how, uh, how, I was, I, how I was introduced to the actor Peter Ustinov. <laughs> uh, he plays Prince John. He's also known as Blackbeard and Blackbeard's Ghost. Oh yeah, which is a Disney classic. If you haven't seen, ladies and gentlemen, dust off that VHS because I guarantee you it ain't Sweeman. <laughs> uh, VHSs. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, like it, I mean, it's also, uh, I mean, one of the things with Robin Hood being, you know, a, a go-to public domain property, is the fact that like, we're like a lot of the the reason that so few things go into the public domain is, of course, entirely Disney's fault. <laughs> so, like, the fact that we don't have. Uh, a really loud motorcycle drive by. No, uh, the fact that we don't have like a, a growing stable of properties that can be pillaged across studios to, to different ends is is you know uh, because of the the mouse trying to not lose uh, ownership over Mickey. The right. mouse well, house. It's one of the things where the public domain, like Disney, has redefined copyright. And I think that they almost damn made a point to call it draconian. Like they are trying to get to a point where once they own it, they own it. Yeah, I mean that is that is clearly the goal. Like Disney does not plan on ever losing the rights to Mickey Mouse, and no. therefore, or 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 any of the other things. Uh, and I mean, they... you have the the same sort of the you have the a lot of like there have been a, a, a long and torturous legal history with the ownership of of Superman and Superboy. Right. <laughs> uh, as well, like because of similar sorts of things, like when 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 the various characters were created and different ownership stuff between like Siegel and Schuster's heirs and uh, DC and all that stuff, like it's it's nuts. But but the driving force behind how long and dracon behind how long in the past and how draconian the hold on copyright is is ninety nine percent driven by Disney, and uh, and that makes me cranky. Because I would like, I would actually love to live in a world where Superman slipped into the public domain. Like that would be a fascinating <laughs> world to live in. The amount and, of awesome Superman stories we would get. Yeah, like to just the amount of of 
uh, like yeah i just i want to see uh creativity unleashed upon the idea of superman in a way that it will will never happen while it's owned by uh the giant sprawling cthuloid form of a corporation well to be fair one of others i don't know Unless they change the point, uh, the way they do DC movies, they may not own it for long. Yo, no, I, I don't. I don't even just mean movies. I mean comics too. Oh, okay. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, well, I don't know what's going to happen to the DC movie universe, but I'm sure it will be a fascinating fire all the way down to the cinders. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's one of the things. Well, I know. Um... Speaking of like uh, movies that have been being remade, James Bond. We've reached that point of the year where they announced that oh, yeah. Idris Elba may potentially, possibly be talked about to play James Bond. Well, I mean, he's definitely being talked about by everybody outside of the people who get to make the decision. We just well, this, don't know. <laughs> this happens. It feels like once a year. I think they're just trying to run out the clock to when Idris Elba will look too old to be James Bond, which unfortunately for them will be precisely never. <laughs> Because Idris Elba is literally Heimdall, and he sees everything and does not age. He doesn't. Well, not only that, but like Sean Connery played for a long ass time too, and Sean Connery well, was not a young. Yeah, kid. but Sean Connery also came back to play him embarrassingly later. <laughs> uh, never say never again. No, no, you should have said never. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't Sean Connery in a Robin Hood movie? No, that was First Night. That was the King yeah, Arthur was, movie. He was, he, he was King Arthur. <laughs> I am Arthur, King of the Britons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wasn't that the one where Richard Gere was Lancelot? And Yes. Yeah. That was, again, that's another person we have to explain to people we really liked back then. Ah, yeah, Richard Gere was everywhere. I mean, like, Pretty Woman was the biggest movie in the universe. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's, that's really hard to explain to people who were not alive in the 90s. Well, you see... Understand, uh, pretty, for those of you uh, who don't know, Pretty Woman is a movie where Julia Roberts plays a hooker. And then, at, towards the end, Richard Gere claims he never treated her like a hooker. Despite the fact that we just spent an hour and a half watching him treat her like a hooker every step of the way. <laughs> yeah. But man, people loved that movie. <laughs> that, mean, it was, it was, Julia Roberts is awesome, don't get me wrong. And I like I, Richard I Gere, but that, Pretty like, Woman I'm, I'm is not actually... I'm not actually meaning to dig on it uh, too badly because I don't have clear enough memories to do so with any kind of <laughs> distinction. But it is, it just, just in broad strokes, it's fascinating to think back <laughs> to that. Um, but yeah. <laughs> but movies like, what, what really fascinates me though, and what mm. we sort of glossed over in all this is, yeah, the difference between all of this and Robin Hood is the fact that Robin Hood is tied to a centuries-old folklore, and we're not remaking anything else like that, unless it's the 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 fairy tale stuff. Yeah, it is. It is very. Uh, it, it it feels odd. Like right. it's not a it's it's not a genre anymore. Right. Like like at the at the very least, when like the the sort of last Robin Hood movie stuff was coming out, that I the last ones that were successful and that made an impression on me. So back in the early nineties. Like there were there were still like fantasy and adventure movies more like generally that they they could sort of fit in alongside. Right. But now we don't really have that as much. It feels very strange. Well, on top of that, like it feels like comic book movies or superhero movies have sort of glommed on to the idea of fantasy. And science yeah. fiction. I mean that that, like that is sort of one of the one of the the strengths that that Marvel has successfully cultivated is is the fact that its universe can do can go in every direction, right? Uh, be, because they have a template for doing so with you know decades and decades of comics. So you have Doctor Strange doing you know uh, weird, beautiful, mystical nonsense, and you have cosmic stuff in uh, Guardians. Rest in peace, Guardians movies. Um uh and and you have like espionage thrillers happening on Earth and it's it's just like all things to all people. Yeah, no, but, it's 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 the it's one of the things what we've talked about repeatedly is what Marvel has done, despite all of the qualms we have with Marvel, is mm-hmm. kind of impressive. Oh yeah. 
and understand I mean, that once I mean, Kevin for, Feige goes, it's going to be fascinating right. to see if that thing can hold. It's going to be it like there. We haven't seen anything like that since like the last big change in the Disney Guard. Like right, this is uh, Michael Eisner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is big. Um, it'll be. Oh, it's it's uh, yeah. That, that's a huge floating question. Although, I mean, also, I would tend to argue that that despite their successes and things like Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther and and all that, like. In a lot of ways, I feel like like Marvel isn't leaning into it hard enough. In a lot of ways, it's like the because uh, what especially when you get back to the sort of core Avengery movies, your your Captain's America and your your Iron Men, they they get a lot samier in a weird way. Like oh, no, that was no. one of the... they get samier hmm? and visually they get more pedantic. Yeah, and, and I mean I'm ugh, like that was. Uh, that was that was one of the things I really liked about the Guardians movies, and uh, also especially Thor Ragnarok. Like I'm, I'm hoping Taika Waititi will will stick around and and do good things. Maybe if they uh, realize what a treasure he is and try to keep him forever, right. um, uh, or or Ryan Coogler. But I mean, Coogler should also just be out making other great movies. I, I like. I, I'm so torn because the comic the comic book fanboy trash at me wants to be like, no, yes, please. These keep these great directors around doing stuff it, with the crazy, like really out there edge of comic book movies that I love. But then the other part of me is like, no, that's just feeding the same beast. Let them go out and make great movies that we don't expect and right. aren't just the same thing. And that's more important than getting like a million Black Panther movies because there's more that Coogler could be doing than just Black Panther, even though he did it so well, well, and here's also the other thing that I think I hear a lot, and it's disturbing to me. Yeah, and you've sort of alluded to it yourself. Is that I thought, now that James Gunn is gone, yeah. no one will be able to replace him and bring his touch to Guardians. Like that, that story will fundamentally be unfinished, and especially the fact that the last, like, ah, I mean, yeah, they're going to make a third one and whatever, and right. ugh. but. Uh, especially considering the the terrible decisions that they made in Infinity War, which I hated. Right. Fight me. Uh, like I just, yeah. It, it, as as far as the like movie, as far as ongoing series goes uh, between Marvel movies, it was the one that was run by the same person each time, right? And well, had a very cohesive arc about like abuse and growth and family and all sorts of other stuff. And I'm I'm. Ugh. I don't know what's going to happen with that. And it makes me I don't either, but at the same time, I also understand, uh, and this is also something we get trapped in. Yeah. Someone other than James Gunn can tell that story just as well. I, I Yeah, that's 100% agree. I don't think, like, will it be, the James Gunn is a personality and mm. his voice will be missing, but there's no reason to say why someone else's voice isn't a better match. The problem I get, uh, a lot of people fall into, is like, oh, so-and-so is the perfect person for that role. Like, yeah, yeah, falling no, into no. the office. So-and-so did in. such a good job that you can't imagine anyone else, which is what the actor's job is. Right. For that falling, doesn't falling mean someone else the, couldn't uh, it. Falling into the auteur trap. Right. Like, the, you know, the, the director's name is on the door, and that means they, they get the lion's share of the credit and the blame, but that, you know, all like the they're shepherding a lot of things that are not them. Right. Well, again... Like, uh, the, people, the people, like, designing the, the various visual things, the, the actors delivering particular performances, like, there's, there's a lot of artists involved. Uh, the Guardian the movie may, will maybe no longer hold the same visual flair yeah. James Gunn, but they might also, depending on who they get, get a different visual flair, maybe a more nuanced view of the characters, which are already emotionally complex, but maybe they go yeah. a different way. Or maybe like, I, uh, there's no reason why if Kevin Feige is serious and hiring hmm. more POC and more diverse people, very that true. Anyone who isn't a white straight dude can't do as good of, or maybe even, God forbid, a better job than James Gunn. <laughs> right. Um, like it's, I, I, I mean, you, without going into that whole long discussion, uh, the, it's more just the way that it was interrupted is definitely the bigger problem than the fact that nobody could ever tell this right. story. Well, that's the way. thing. Like, I, I understand to some extent the outrage, but the fact that people yeah. like no one else can finish this, I'm like, well, yeah, it's not that entirely is... true. I... Well, I mean, hell, look at uh, one of the the best uh, entertaining, wa- one of the best big franchise movies come out at the end of the last year, Solo. 
<laughs> Solo had an incredibly tumultuous, uh, like, birthing process, let's right. say. But it still came out, box office be damned, to uh, be an incredibly entertaining movie that uh, I have a great deal of affection for, even all these months later. Well, yeah, yeah, it's one of those things where, like, Solo is good. Mm. And, like, I'm like, when people are like, this is awful, this is terrible, I'm like, really? Have you seen some of the other Star Wars movies? This is fine. Have you seen, have you seen Infinity War? Fuck, fight me. <laughs> have you seen Infinity War? In which, uh, for like, three hours, nothing happens? <laughs> in which the, the camera uh, sweepingly shows how big and impressive a genocidal insane person is and how <laughs> we should totally think that he's not completely insane and awful. Uh, and then the universe says, no, no, yeah, your abusive kidnapping of these women definitely counts as love, and you just straight up murdering one of them. I don't care about spoilers. It was terrible, and I will ruin it for anyone who hasn't seen it because I'm saving you, not ruining it. Uh, it's, yeah, no, the cosmic power of these stones will say that that totally counts as a sacrifice when a sociopath kills his abuse victim. Uh, anyway. Not only that, but can we talk about that moment where Robert Downey Jr. almost got a moment to, like, b- find depth in Tony Stark, and then they had to, like, cut it off? Yeah. That's ever Well, that was... Oh, uh, okay. Uh, the thing that raged me today uh, was there was a, an article on... Somewhere I don't know where it was. It was it was somewhere giving a recap of the uh, commentary... Of, of a bit from the commentary on the home media release of Infinity War... Okay. And it was talking about, how, and it was talking about how, oh no, you see, the reason that the Hulk didn't didn't come out isn't because he was afraid because Thanos beat him up. It's because he didn't want to. Uh, he he was sick of Banner hating him, but still always bringing him out whenever he needed to fight something. And I call bullshit because that That's, was not in the text. Okay. Of the, Who said that? Yeah, someone on the commentary of the movie. So I assume one of the directors. I don't remember off the top of my head. Yes, uh, absolutely. No one took that away. Yeah, that is not in the text of the movie. I would have loved to see that. That sounds interesting. Like, get Scott Derrickson to direct, like, Doctor Strange going into Bruce Banner's head, and we go to, like, the astral plane where frickin' Banner and Hulk have to deal with their feelings, and I would watch that for three hours. But it was nowhere in that movie. When a director says this is what it really meant, and no one backs that up, then you did a bad job. That may have been what you thought you were meaning, but that is yeah. what no one took from it. Oh, one of my favorite clickbait headlines that I saw on Twitter this week, I didn't save it because I closed the window immediately and then threw up for a day and a half, was um, that might somebody's... Be no, no, it was not. It was somebody saying that like the, the, the meaning of the ending to Inception was solved because of something Michael Caine said in an interview. This was just the headline. I didn't click on no. it. No. Uh, because apparently we can't have nuance. Like, everything has to have an answer. You, the, the point of the movie can't be to end with a question or, like, a, a, any sort of just a, a broad idea that you're left to ponder. It has to be that there's a secret answer. Like, My favorite headline that I saw was someone said, uh, it might have been IndieWire, they're like, Orson, the house where Orson Welles wrote Citizen Kane up for sale. <laughs> That's movie news. Well, no, no, no. What's great is Ben Mankiewicz, the grandson of the screenwriter of Citizen Kane, tweets out, um... <laughs> <laughs> That's that auteur theory coming back to bite you in the ass again. <laughs> well, one of the things, Orson Welles probably wrote some of it, because he's Orson Welles. But to call him the screenwriter, it's like... Yeah, I think, I think he stuff. shares uh, credit with, uh, IMDb says, with uh, Herman J. Men- Menkiewicz. I cannot Menkiewicz, say yeah. that name correctly. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, they're both listed as original screenplay. So it's, But it doesn't matter because Wells is the name that you know. <laughs> you know, I, I had the, uh, the ending of Citizen Kane spoiled for me by an episode of The Real Ghostbusters. Did you? Yeah, there's a there's an episode where they go to a big mansion and the ghost in it is a ghost that uh, is definitely uh, Charles Foster Kane, <laughs> and and at the end he rides away on his sled. <laughs> See, it's not a spoiler if you don't know what the hell's going on, <laughs> right? Uh... Okay, and with that we have run out of time, 
and clearly... Yes, that that is the food truck horn that tells us we are out of time. <laughs> All right, well, I'm, I'm just going to get an app on my... discussion of tangentially seven Robin Hood movies. Yeah, seven Robin Hood movies and the insane system that that happens in. But... <laughs> oh, no, wait, Se- seven Robin Hoods for seven brothers. Huh? huh? Oh, have you even seen that movie? Seven Brides? I've, I've seen it on stage. It's a, it's a classic musical. Okay. Get on my level. Alright. <laughs> Say goodbye, Thad. Uh, okay, bye. See you, everybody. <laughs>